Hello, and welcome to the Texan Overtime Podcast. My name is Michael Shapiro. I am a senior sports reporter and football beat writer for the Daily Texan. Joining me as always, Mr. Ezra Siegel, our sports editor. Ezra, how you doing, bud? Doing well. Gearing up for the the Texas intra-squad scrimmage. We got a good uh, men's basketball season coming up. Very fun. Texas number 22 preseason ranking. Got the Fro Bros and James Banks and Jarrett Allen. Should be fun stuff at Gregory Jim. Also joining us is our associate sports editor and co-football beat writer. He'll be making the trip for us to Manhattan, Kansas. Tyler, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Got a busy weekend. I'll also be at the scrimmage there with Ezra and then heading out to Kansas tomorrow morning. Looking forward to it. Tyler, going to the Little Apple, Manhattan. What are you most excited about heading on this trip? I'm most excited to see if Manhattan is a better college town than Stillwater. Was not impressed with Stillwater a few weeks ago. Stillwater, two thumbs down. Eskimo Joe's major letdown. Letdown said they closed at 10 p.m. What? What is this? Uh, Tyler heard there's a nice Applebee's in Manhattan. <laughs> Maybe at TGI Fridays you could do like the Sad Dad Bar Crawl, which you complete with chilies, if anyone was wondering. All right, moving on to the gridiron, the Longhorns will face Kansas State Saturday at 11 a.m. from Manhattan, Kansas. Longhorns got off the schneid last week, ended their three-game losing streak, defeating Iowa State 27-6. Now, Tyler, Longhorns kept the Cyclones out of the end zone. Was this more about the Texas defense finally putting something together, or do you think it was just the ineptitude of the Iowa State attack? I think it was a combination of both of those things because we've seen Iowa State put up points against Big 12 defenses in the previous weeks and it was Charlie Song's second week you know fully taking over the uh, defense and I think we kind of saw what he can do when his fingerprints are really all over it Uh, the biggest thing I saw in the defense was just the way they were getting to the quarterback and they're going to keep needing to get to those quarterbacks as the Big 12 season progresses I'm personally not putting too much stock into that game Um, I think, you know, we did see some improvement from Texas, especially their defensive line, getting the quarterback uh, eight times, which is Mm -hmm. pretty crazy. But I still am not a believer in this Texas secondary. I don't think, you know, Iowa State had sort of an inexplicable two-quarterback system last Saturday. It was brutal. Um, It was was really ineffective. I don't think that Texas Texas secondary was as tested as it's going to be, you know, going forward this year. Yeah, I mean, they went with, they started Joel Lanning, who's the Iowa State starter. He's pretty solid. He went 12 for 21, 140. Then they brought in Jacob Park for some reason, who looked like a 70s, like, metal band (laughs) front man, and he he couldn't do anything, to be honest. He was pressured on every play and really panicked under it. So I personally probably wouldn't take any stock into the win for Texas defense. Having said that, though, the passing offense they're going to face this week in Manhattan pretty much as inept as the one they faced on Saturday. Well, Kansas State on paper, you know, their their offense hasn't hasn't been the most explosive in the Big 12, but I don't think that means it's necessarily a bad offense. Uh, they're one of the most efficient offenses in the Big 12. They have only four turnovers this entire season, which is, you know, far and away the best mark in the Big 12. Uh, they have converted all their red zone trips this year. And, you know, they just they don't make mistakes, and they've proven that they, they can score points at home. I mean, they're averaging 47 points in Manhattan this year compared to just 15 on the road, and that's a major difference. So I think, you know, uh, again, on paper, this Kansas State offense is, is not the most dynamic, but they find ways to get it done at home. I would say that that points per game might be a bit of a misnomer. Two of those wins, they beat Florida Atlantic University through 60, 63 on the board. They beat Missouri State through 35 on the board. Like, this is a really good rushing attack. They I, also outscored Texas Tech, who is the best offense in the Big 12. I don't know if Texas Tech could stop, like, 
Tyler throwing to me and you as the outside receiver. It's a terrible but defense. can Texas, Texas stop that? <laughs> That's a fair point. That's yeah. also a fair point. Yeah, we're talking about if Texas can stop that themselves. Kansas State has a pretty good rushing attack. Granted, it's all they do mm-hmm. is run the ball. But are we so sure that this Texas defense really knows how to stop the run? They held Iowa State under 100 yards last week, but look what Oklahoma did two weeks ago. Samaj P. Ryan just ran right through the Texas front four. So it could be a long day for the Texas uh, front four trying to stop the run. You know, we can we can sit here and talk about the you know the the I guess the week the week home schedule they've played early this year. But this is a team that under under head coach Bill Snyder, they've just flat out got it done at home. I mean, mm-hmm. they're 142 and 34 at home since 1990, which is you know one of the best marks in all the FBS. They're on a five-game home win streak. I think this team is for real at home. I don't think Texas should take them lightly at all. Oh, I'm not saying Texas should take them lightly. I think Snyder is one of the best coaches in America. Built that program from absolutely nothing. And yeah, they can't stretch the ball down the field. That's fair. I mean, against Oklahoma, Jesse Ertz, their quarterback, threw for 68 yards. To be four against Texas Tech, he only threw 104 yards. But on the other Didn't side Jesse of that, Ertz get hurt in that game. He still had 23 passing attempts. Um, having said that, though, he is doing a little bit of a Colin Klein impression here as a running quarterback. Colin Klein might be the best college quarterback <laughs> I think I've ever seen. Like watching against Texas, it's him and Taysom Hill. I remember just pretty much the same guy torching Texas on the ground. Tyler, what kind of game can we expect in Manhattan? Do you think there will be a lot of big plays, or will this be kind of a grounded-out kind of slog game in Manhattan? Well, it's going to be a grounded-out game, but if Jesse Ertz, like you said, has the ability ability to kind of break off long runs, then it might be a long one for Texas. You look at Jesse Ertz, uh, he's the second-leading rusher on the team. He's averaging over five uh, yards per carry, 293 yards, and four touchdowns. And you think about Texas in recent years, the their kryptonite is kind of a running quarterback, so mm-hmm. that doesn't bode well for the Longhorn defense. I agree with Tyler. I think this is going to be a really probably the most physical game you'll see uh, for the Longhorns this year. Kansas State, they they like to keep the ball on the ground. They're also the best defense in the Big Twelve at stopping the run, which is mm-hmm. you know Texas's bread and butter on offense. So I think this game is going to be one in the trenches, and I think we're definitely going to see you know a little bit more ugly ugly football than we've seen so far this year it's kind of a strength on strength game kansas state ranks number four in the nation in rushing yards allowed per game they they don't even give up behind mm-hmm. uh, 100 they give up 90 per game but on the other side of that Deontay foreman's one of the best running backs in the in the nation and he's he's putting up close to 150 yards per game so strength on strength it's, it's going to be kind of fun to watch well Deontay foreman as you said seven straight games 100 yards or more he's been the st- second-ranked rusher in college football this year. It's been just absolutely fantastic, but it'll be a tough task against that Kansas State defense. I want to move to Shane Bouchelle in the Texas passing attack here. We've had a lot of different receivers rotate through. Ezra, do you think that that's a healthy thing for the Texas receiving core, that there's no real one guy and they constantly are filtering through and seeing whoever has the hot hand? Yeah, I don't I don't take any issue with it, especially because the you know Texas passing attack has been so effective this year, at least compared to years past. Um, you know, obviously we, coming into the season, we all thought John Burt would be Texas's go-to receiver, but that really has not 
Mm-mm. has not happened at all. I mean, he barely even saw the field the last game. But he didn't record a catch. Not even one, not catch. one catch. I think he, he barely even saw the field. I think, um, yeah, I think he was on the pl- field for, it was tracked like 15 plays total for Texas. Yeah, but there, there's still no question that, that there's a variety of playmakers on this team. You still have Dorian Leonard, who's really coming on as of late. You have Gerard Hurd, who's a home run threat. And then, you know, you have freshman Devin Duvernay, who's really stepped up, catching two long touchdowns in the last two weeks. I think what I take away from the receiving core and the way they spread it around to those guys is that any one of those guys can kind of step up and be the go-to guy. Just so far, Texas hasn't needed it, and that kind of helps a freshman quarterback to be able to throw the ball to anyone and have confidence in that person you're throwing it to. But you know, you mentioned a few guys, Ezra, and I think Devin Duvernay might step up and be the kind of the go-to guy. He's shown an ability to catch shorter routes, but obviously – you know, he might be the fastest guy on the team, and he's definitely a home run threat as well. Duvernay is a pretty funny guy. He talked to us on Tuesday, and uh, Gerard Hurd said he could beat Duvernay in a race, and they asked him about it, and Duvernay you just laughed, and he said he'd beat him in spikes, he can beat him in flip-flops, <laughs> yeah. he can beat him in tennis shoes, he doesn't care. Then they asked, can Donovan Duvernay, his brother, cover him? And he said, I don't think anybody can cover me, which I, I honestly kind of like that, yeah, you know, a, that confidence in yourself. Yeah, uh, Devin and Gerard, they had a little Twitter convo the other day about – setting up a time to race so if we get the details on that race we'll give it to you guys Mm -hmm. so texas got back at home this week you know kind of settle things down now they have to go back on the road again here's a stat they have not won in manhattan since 2002 i was probably six or seven years old when that game was on i probably didn't watch it if i'm being honest um ezra why do you think texas has struggled so much going into manhattan you know i think i think it comes down to the quality of Kansas State's coaching. This is a team that, again, you know, they they have just four turnovers this year. They're a team that they do they do not make mistakes. They do not shoot themselves in the foot, and you know, not necessarily through the entire 2000s, but definitely recently, Texas has definitely had a propensity to make those mistakes and cost themselves games. So I think you know, anytime you play Kansas State, they're they're going to have a coaching advantage. I would say. You know, you look at how undisciplined Texas can be at times with turnovers and penalties. That is the exact opposite of the program that Bill Snyder runs at Kansas State. You know, they don't have any five-star athletes. They don't have any Malik Jeffersons. But he is such a great coach. You know, he's 77 years old. He somehow every year finds a way to connect with these kids and make them absolutely play their heart out for him. If he's not one of the top five coaches in the country to people, there is something wrong with the rankings there. Um, All right, so here we go. Let's go to one key for the game as Texas heads to Manhattan. Again, 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday. Tyler, what one thing does Texas need to do to defeat Kansas State? You know what? I've talked about the running game and the defense. We've talked about all that, but now I'm going to place all the pressure on the freshman QB's shoulders. Shane Bouchelle, he kind of has a tendency, although last week's interception wasn't exactly his fault. I don't know why they're they're cr- throwing on fourth and one. That was a crazy play. I didn't even you see one where the, the best ball landed. It yeah. was tipped. I had no idea where it went. I don't think you'll ever see an interception so at the strange. line of scrimmage it was like so that. It so strange. It just fell into guy's hand. Anyway, he did get that ball picked off, and he kind of has a tendency to just, you know, one or two throws a game just don't go his way, and he throws a pick. I don't think you can throw picks on the road and win. So if Bouchel, uh stays turnover free, I think that's the biggest key for Texas. Ezra? Yeah, I'm actually going to agree with Tyler here. We've seen two very different Shane Bouchelles at home and on the road. Mm-hmm. At home, he has eight touchdowns and two interceptions. On the road, he has just five touchdowns and three interceptions. So he has definitely had a bit a bit tougher of a time competing outside of Austin. 
And, you know, Kansas State, they have one of the best home field advantages in college football, and I think it's going to be it's going to come down to whether he can get it done, especially since Deontay Foreman might not have as much running room this week. Water pressure on Bouchelle. I'm going to look to the other side of the ball here. One of my favorite quotes in football, which from Mr. Al Davis, it's the quarterback must go down and the quarterback must go down hard. Texas did it against Iowa State, registering eight sacks. If they can make Jesse Ertz feel uncomfortable, kind of squeeze the room he has when he's running, kind of make it that he has to stretch the field with his arm, which I don't really think he can do. I think Texas will have a pretty easy day if they hit him hard. If they can't get to the quarterback, it might be a really, really tough afternoon for them in Manhattan. I definitely agree with that. You take away Ertz's legs, and I just don't see where the points come from the Kansas State offense. Fair enough. All right, so let's go to some prediction time here. Ezra, score, and does Texas go to a winning record? Yeah, well, as as you can probably tell from what I've been saying today, I'm a I'm a little more pessimistic than than y'all too. But I'm going with Kansas State 27-24 at home. You know, we haven't seen Kansas State lose at home in a long time. We haven't seen Texas beat them in Manhattan in a long time. And I guess my stance is I'll believe it when I see it. Fair enough, Tyler. I really can't uh, give a description for this pick other than the fact that maybe I'm just being a little bit of a homer coming off a... Uh, homer, we would never hear. A 27-6 to win. Maybe Charlie Strong has something working with that defense. We will find out, albeit against a pretty weak offense. But I think it's going to be fairly low scoring. Uh, Texas just has by far the better offense, and they're going to pull out a 28-20 to victory on the road. I'm going to be with Tyler on this one. I think Texas might struggle early to move the ball, maybe some frustration at halftime like we saw last week. But ultimately, Texas with too many weapons on the outside. I think Bouchelle is a strong game, and I just don't believe in Jesse Ertz in that passing game. Give me the Longhorns, let's say 30-20 Manhattan, getting their first win at Kansas State since 2002. Ezra, Tyler, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Shep. Thank you. All right, and now we're going to move to some women's basketball talk with our women's basketball writer, Sydney Rubin. Sydney, we are over three weeks away from tip-off here for the women's basketball season, but the Longhorns have started practice. How high are expectations for the Longhorns this season? Yeah, expectations are pretty high for the season. Um, They're coming off of a great 31-win season last year, but uh, Coach Aston and the rest of the team has really focused on turning the page and starting with a clean slate. They have really high hopes. And I think it's going to be a great season for them. You know, Texas really had a wonderful year last year, really ripped off a lot of wins in a row towards the end of the year and had a nice postseason run to the Elite Eight where they got knocked out by UConn, which, you know, no real shame in that. Anyone's going to lose to UConn. That's something that is pretty much, you know, a definite every year. They're ranked number two in the preseason Big 12 poll behind Baylor. What does Texas need to do to finally get over the hump and overtake Baylor in the conference? Yeah, I mean, they played Baylor a couple times last season during the regular season and also in the Big 12 championship and couldn't make it over that hump. But um, I think this season they're definitely going to have to focus more on the defensive end, on the boards, with Amani Boy in the WNBA. Um, They definitely have a big void to fill. She put up some big numbers for Texas, so I think the defensive end is definitely where they're going to need to step up. That's right. You know, real tough with Boyette now leaving the middle of the Longhorns defense. She was the number 10 pick in the WNBA draft. You know, I really don't know how she's doing this year, but, you know, blame me for not watching the WNBA. I am a much bigger college uh, basketball fan for the women's side. All right. The biggest news for Texas this year is their freshmen. They have the number three ranked recruiting class in the nation, and they brought in Joyner Holmes, who's the 2016 preseason national freshman of the year. 
what kind of buzz is there in Austin with these Texas freshmen? Yeah, absolutely. There's huge, huge buzz surrounding them. Um, Karen Asson did another amazing job bringing in a top five recruiting class. Um, there's definitely hype about them. They're excited to get on the court. And of course, Alicia Sutton suffered an ACL injury during her senior year in high school. So she spent the last year rehabbing her knee and coming back and she just got cleared for play last Monday. So she's finally going to start joining the team in practice and will hopefully be ready for the season. You know, you had a really nice feature on the Texas freshman coming out in today's edition of the Daily Texan. Uh, what kind of adjustment period is it for them going from, you know, playing on the high school level with not as much spotlight on them, not as much work, to now being in one of the biggest college basketball programs in the nation? Yeah, absolutely. It's a huge adjustment. I mean, just coming from high school to college in general is very hard, let alone being in a powerhouse pro powerhouse um, basketball program here at UT. Um, yeah, it's been a huge adjustment on the court, off the court. Um, especially after their first practice, they were all exhausted and it was just a huge addition and they haven't really had those reps before. But they're definitely excited for the season, excited to improve on some things for the next few weeks and be ready for Stanford next month for their first game. You know, we're still a few weeks away. What kind of things is Karen Aston, you know, instilling in the Longhorns? What does she want to see improve before, you know, actual play starts? Yeah, just kind of cleaning up the little details. They're going to start looking at teams and kind of working on some game plans. But I think the biggest thing is just keeping them motivated and playing with that fire and energy and passion. She's really stressed that. And I know this season, they made it to the Elite Eight last season, fell to UConn, like you said. But this season, they're really their huge goal is the Final Four. Their right. motto for the season is 196, which is the amount of miles it is from here to Dallas. Oh, I like that. Which is where the Final Four that's is. Nice. So they always have that in the back of their mind. So that's really what they're focusing on this season. One last thing. Karen Aston uh, received a contract extension uh, in September. You actually broke that story yep. uh, of all the Austin writers. So congrats on that. Thank but you. Do you think there's any extra pressure on Aston here to kind of bring this team to consistent Elite Eights or Final Fours with this extension, or do you think she'll kind of keep coaching as she always has? Yeah, I don't think there's really any added pressure. I think it's the extension was very well-deserved for her. Um, in her four seasons at Texas, she holds an 89-46 and 46 record, which is amazing. She's had um, some deep runs in the postseason, had some long winning streaks, has done a great job recruiting. So I think she just needs to keep doing what she's doing. She's done an amazing job so far. Well, she certainly had success in her four years in Austin, now heading into year five. Cindy, final question. If you had to pick where the Longhorns end in the Big 12 this year, do you think they will win the conference, or do you think they will fall just shy of Baylor? Um, I'm going to say that, although it would be great for them to win the conference, <laughs> I think that they're really going to miss some key seniors that graduated last uh -huh. year, and I think that they're going to need a little bit more. It's going to take a few more years for them to get over that hump to beat Baylor. Well, there's no homerism from our women's basketball writer, unlike Tyler here, which is what we like to see at the Daily Texan. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Sydney. We'll yeah, definitely you. have you on as the season continues. Thanks. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Texan Overtime Podcast. I'd like to thank Sydney Rubin, Tyler Horka, and Ezra Siegel, and all you loyal listeners. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you next week. This podcast was produced by The Daily Texan, hosted by Michael Shapiro, Ezra Siegel, and Tyler Horka. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode, and you can always find more news at dailytexanonline.com.